This is Money Made Simple, the financial podcast that keeps it simple and gets to the point. Hello and welcome back to the show, our second episode of Money Made Simple. Hi Jenny. Hello Liv. So in our first episode last week we spoke about why it's so important to talk more about money. So here we are again, this time we're going to cover KiwiSaver, so the basics of KiwiSaver. We will cover more detail in future episodes, but for now we just like to keep it simple as we do. So let's get into it. Let's talk about KiwiSaver in New Zealand, Jenny. What exactly is the KiwiSaver scheme and why was it brought in however many years ago? Do we actually need it? Yeah, well, let's start with answering that question. Yes, we do need it. The KiwiSaver scheme was set up by the government and launched back in 2007. So it hasn't been around that long, really. It was designed to foster good saving habits because apparently that was something that Kiwis were not very good at doing. That's why we need it. And too many Kiwis were reaching retirement age without adequate savings to retire with dignity or in the way in the way that they wanted. So KiwiSaver makes it really easy for us to save for the long term. Money comes out of our wages or salary before we even see it and it's essentially locked up. You don't have easy access to it. We will talk about how you can get to it. So it started in 2007. We currently have, as of the last reporting year, 3.1 million members in the KiwiSaver scheme, which is a big proportion of the New Zealand population. But there are only 1.9 million members actually contributing regularly to their KiwiSaver. As of March of this year, 2023, that group of Kiwis had saved almost $90 billion. Sounds impressive. Yes, it's a pretty big number. The average balance of those members is about $28,324 to be exact. Uh, and that's going to grow as the scheme grows and matures. Okay. So just for a moment, I want to compare those details to Australia. So Australia are what I would say light years ahead of us. So their superannuation scheme actually started in 1992. So by my calculations, that's about 15 years earlier than us. Good maths, Liv. Thank you. (laughs) Get to work for a financial provider and have the maths up there. So they have $3.7 trillion saved in their superannuation scheme, as again, like you've done as at March 2023, the end of the financial year. So it's been a lot more ambitious for Australia. Another key difference is that the Australian scheme is compulsory, so all employees have to be in it. And one more really interesting point that I found out while I was researching the Australian scheme was that a large proportion of the Australian super providers are actually non-profit. So that's very much unlike most New Zealand providers, maybe all but one or two. One or two, yeah. That is interesting about the providers being non-profit. In New Zealand, KiwiSaver is actually quite a profitable industry. Yeah, I think Last year alone, Kiwis paid about $700 million in fees to their KiwiSaver mm. providers. This is something we're definitely going to talk about in future episodes, the cost of KiwiSaver and, and being really conscious of the fees that you're paying. But yeah, that is an interesting difference. And another d- difference that you mentioned is that it's compulsory in Australia. In New Zealand, it is a voluntary scheme. It is possible to opt out and it's also possible to pause your contributions. Some people think that's a weakness of this scheme and that it would be better to make it compulsory but I think many many New Zealanders don't yes. so for now that's 
there. It's a key difference between the two countries. And I, I think that while, yes, Australia is, you said, light years ahead, they are very ambitious, but it's great that we have the KiwiSavers scheme and amazing that we've got $90 billion saved. One thing that our uh, managing director, Sam, talks about a lot is that KiwiSaver is like a rising tide of capital. So in the past, in New Zealand's history, we've relied on foreign investment to grow. KiwiSaver is homegrown capital and it's growing every day. Can I just check with you there, what exactly is capital? Because I think a lot of listeners, I mean, it's, a, it's obviously a term that's thrown around a lot in our industry, but it's pretty simple, right? Yeah, it's, it's money that can be invested uh, into infrastructure and business. And if you're a small country in the Pacific and you're relying on money coming from elsewhere, we're not in control of when that money comes in and when that money is withdrawn. If we are building our own source of capital, then we can use it and invest it really long term in New Zealand. So the Treasury predicts that KiwiSaver could grow to about $200 billion by 2030, which isn't that far away. No. And again, you look at Australian cousins who are far ahead of us, and you can see the impact that their superannuation savings have had on their economy. So it's pretty exciting. I think KiwiSaver is great because it's really good for individuals. We are saving for first homes or for our retirement, but it's actually really good for the country as well. Our prosperity. Yes. So let's cover some of the basics of the KiwiSaver scheme for us as individuals, Liv. Okay, uh, so first is probably who can join. So to be able to join KiwiSaver, you don't actually have to be employed. You just have to tick a few boxes. So you have to be a New Zealand citizen or a resident, i.e. entitled to live in New Zealand indefinitely. And you have to be living or normally living in New Zealand. You can join at any age, so under 18 is okay, and if you're not working, but if you're under 18, you'll need parental or guardian support for your application or to complete the enrolment on your behalf. So there are three main ways to join KiwiSaver. So if you're starting a new job and you're over 18, you could be automatically enrolled. If that's the case, as we said, it's, the scheme is voluntary, so you have three months to opt out if you want to, if you've, if you've been automatically enrolled. Otherwise, you can join through your employer, so asking your employer to sign you up. Or you can alternatively directly sign up via a KiwiSaver provider, so going to their website and filling out the form. From the age of 18, there's also what we call contributions, KiwiSaver contributions. So there are three main types of KiwiSaver contributions. There's your employee contribution, so that's what you contribute from your pay. There are employer contributions if you're not self-employed. So if you're employed by an organisation, then your employer will have to match a minimum of 3%. And there are the government contributions, which is an annual contribution that if you meet the eligibility criteria, then you will get those contributions and we will go over those in a lot more detail in a future episode. Yes, we will do that. Uh, but it might be worth noting now that there's also a fourth type of contribution, voluntary contributions. These can be made by any member at any time and they're often used by self-employed people or people who aren't employed. 
So you've got the money going in, in those four different streams, and then it's also important to understand how you get the money out. Uh, it's designed, as we said, as a retirement scheme, but it can also be used for first home deposit mm-hmm. or settlement. So for those of us that joined a little bit later in life, where we might be focused on retirement. If you join when you're a child or when you're 18, then you may be focusing initially on saving enough for a first home. Yeah, so those are the two main ways. You have to be 65 to withdraw for retirement and there are conditions around first home withdrawal as well, such as the uh, amount of time you've been in the scheme. Um, And there are a few other ways you can withdraw it via certain criteria. I mean, the criteria for getting your money out of KiwiSaver is pretty strict for a reason. They really want you to hold on to those savings till retirement. But if you have a serious illness or you're facing significant financial hardship or you're permanently immigrating, so you're leaving New Zealand uh, for good, um, anywhere other than Australia because we have a slightly different deal there, then these are some of the reasons you would be able to withdraw your KiwiSaver if you meet the criteria around that. Makes sense. So it's your money and you can access it, but under fairly strict rules and conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And how safe is your money? So, I mean, I know this is a really common fear from people how does how does that kind of how work does that work yes no one's going to steal it the assets of all KiwiSaver schemes or from all the providers are actually held in trust by a third party a custodian meaning that the assets aren't directly held or owned by the provider itself this means that if the fund manager goes into bankruptcy or is unable to continue operating the KiwiSaver assets are held in trust and they are protected the supervisor or the FMA which is the financial markets or Authority, correct. Would be able to appoint a new manager, so your money would be then you transferred, transferred mm. and managed by an, another provider. So it is it is held safe in terms of how it's invested. Every provider is different, but while the money is held by the custodian, it is managed by the provider. They will be making investment decisions, and they are investing that money on your behalf, along with the money from all the other KiwiSaver members in different assets like shares, property and bonds. Which is also something that will be for a future episode. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Okay, so we know the basics, very much the basics of how it works, but what does it really mean for you or me, i.e. what's the stuff that we actually can control or choose in terms of getting the most out of our own KiwiSaver schemes? Yeah, so I mean... You look at the world and there's a lot going on and there's a lot that we can't control. We can't control what the markets are doing. We can't control interest rates or inflation. But we can control a few things in terms of our KiwiSaver. So the first one we've already talked about, that's your contribution rate. How much do you want to contribute from your own wages or salary to your KiwiSaver? There's various amounts and and you pick the one that's right for you. Another one is who is your provider? Simplicity is obviously a KiwiSaver provider itself, but there are loads of providers in New Zealand. There's the banks, but there's also some specialist KiwiSaver providers around. You need to pick one that has the right funds for you, has the right approach to investing. It's important that you check what the fee structure is. They'll, they'll all have a different sort of investment approach. There's some really great websites out there where you can compare the different providers and um, and make a a choice. I think one of the best of those being actually the government's website itself. So sorted.org provides a lot of great tools and calculators, but also a lot of great comparisons between providers. and, And you can kind of filter and sort by what you're looking for personally. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of Sorted. The tools that they have are really useful. I think from my knowledge, there's around 35 KiwiSaver providers in New Zealand. What about a default provider? I mean, what is it and why? So there's six default providers. The government's actually done a a fairly recent review and that's when we were appointed as one of the default providers. And and the idea there is that people who are signed up automatically to KiwiSaver via their employer, maybe they start their first job, um, and neither the, the member nor the employer have nominated a provider, then that person will be assigned a default KiwiSaver provider, one of the six, and they've essentially been vetted by the government. So, you know, they can rest assured that they're going to do a good job and they're going to look after that investment. It used to be that if you're a default member, you automatically went into a conservative fund. Eek. Yes, but as part of the review, they realised that if you're sitting in a conservative fund for 40 years, that's not going to give you the best outcome at the end. So default funds are now balanced funds. And yeah, so we are a default provider. Some there's a few others. I don't know. If well, we five to be exact. Yes, five. <laughs> exactly. Six all up. And I, and I think that that's great. It, it's okay. Like me, I I actually was in a default fund. Mm. Liv's, you can't see this, but Liv's giving me a look. Um, because fine. I Blurred. didn't think it really made a difference and I, I didn't understand you know, what my choices were. So I think there's lots of people in New Zealand, several hundred thousand I think, and it's great that the government have gone through this process to make sure that, that these people will be allocated a good provider. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think the other thing to note about um, providers is that they can broadly be divided into what we call active or passive management. We will go over this in more detail later. But active management is, in a nutshell, when they're picking and choosing individual shares and other assets. And passive managers tend to follow an index, so they kind of invest in the whole market. Active managers are much more hands-on. They tend to have higher fees, whereas the passive managers, um, when it's a little bit more automatic, um, there is obviously um, a a level of complexity to it, but um, buying the whole market um, in the form of indices um, tends to be lower cost and less hands-on. That obviously leads on to the fact that there are a really wide range of fee levels amongst different KiwiSaver providers in New Zealand. Yeah, it's again good to check out on Sorted and, and it's something that you can control in terms of the fees that you are paying on your KiwiSaver. Absolutely, account. if we're talking about you're making a decision about who your provider is, you're making a decision about the contribution rate that you're paying, being really clear about the fees you're paying is another thing that you can do to impact your long-term savings. People don't really think about them that much because it's not like your mobile phone bill or your power bill where the bill comes in and you actually have to physically pay it and you're quite aware of it. KiwiSaver fees just come out of your KiwiSaver savings and unless you're paying attention to your annual statement, which you get once a year, which... How Sorry, Liv, really I, do. I don't look at my <laughs> annual statement. You, you're not really thinking. It's not a bill that you have to pay. No. But that is money that's coming out of your savings and money that's not earning compounding interest over years and years. Fees are super important. I would say that's yeah a key priority when you're thinking about KiwiSaver. Mm. The final, I guess, main point around what you can control is your fund type. So basically, most KiwiSaver providers will have a range of fund types. They will range from lower to higher risk. And the reason why we have these is kind of based on three things, and that will be your the time that you have until you want to withdraw your money, some or all of your money. 
Which is often called your investment time horizon. Correct. Yes. Your attitude towards risk and how much you're prepared to gain or lose in any set period of time. And also, I kind of related to that, in my opinion, would be your attitude towards volatility. So whether you're happy to see the market go up and down, more conservative funds will be a little bit smoother, kind of slow, a, steady growth. Exactly. Yeah. And then higher risk funds, those usually that have a much higher proportion of shares, will have a lot more volatility. Volatility meaning they go up and down, which means the balance of your KiwiSaver fund that invests in that and those shares will go up and down a lot with a lot bigger spikes. So, And over the long term, that risk is likely to lead to higher returns. But you have to be comfortable with it, I think. Great. So hopefully that has provided a very brief background into KiwiSaver in New Zealand and versus Australia and why it's here. Essentially... It was brought in to combat the lack of retirement savings that New Zealanders have historically had. So we're trying to pave the way for people to have a much more decent nest egg to support us to live through those golden years. And then the bonus of that, those individual savings, is that it can be invested back into the country. New Zealand. Yeah, it's a win-win. It is. So what's next then? Right, well, next week we're going to talk about net worth. What is it, how to calculate it, and why it's important. Great. All right, well, we'll see you next week. Cheers for tuning in. Bye. This podcast contains personal opinions and is intended to provide educational information only. It doesn't relate to your particular financial situation or goals and is not financial advice or recommendations. Simplicity New Zealand Limited is the issuer of the Simplicity KiwiSaver Scheme and Investment Funds. For product disclosure statements, please visit Simplicity's website, simplicity.kiwi.